Hello, Dental Online Trainers, Dr. Dennis Hartlieb with you again for another one of our DOT Sharecasts. But we have a little special treat for you today. Today, we have what we call our Solo Bonding Series. With the Solo Bonding Series, you get a chance for you and I to connect or kind of bond, I guess, over topics that I'd like to share with you from my my three plus decades of being a dentist. So it's just you and me today. I'm going to ask you to sort of kick back and relax. And if you're driving, don't kick back too much and don't relax too much. Keep your eyes on the road. And I hope you enjoy my thoughts on various topics in dentistry. Well, dental online trainers, my topic for today on my solo bonding sharecast is the three practice building tips that I know now that I wish I would have known then. Now, there's a lot more than three tips to building a practice. I've been doing this for almost 35 years, but here's a few of them that I think are really important. Number one, and I wish I would have known this from the beginning, I wish I would have known more about why I wanted to be a dentist and that I could articulate it better to my team and to my patients. So the very first thing that I think if you're starting out your practice or if you're in your practice and you're trying to make your practice stronger, as I was trying to, what I finally understood was I had to know who I was and what the vision for my practice was, what the mission for my practice was, and what the core values were of our practice. Now, if you haven't read the book, Start With Why with Simon Sinek, I would tell you it's a great first step. And if you don't want to read the book, he's got a great TED Talk and he's got various videos on the same topic. If you don't know what you're about, if you don't know what the organization is supposed to be about, then how do you know where you're going? Now, it may sound simple to sit down and write out your vision and your mission and your core values, but I will tell you, it was a lot of work for me and my team and my partner. We really worked hard at this to establish concrete thoughts on what we are. Because if we don't know who we are, then how do you know what you're not? What type of patient is not really a good fit for your practice? What kind of dentistry might not be good dentistry for your practice, for who you are, for what you want to be? You know, I think things like, do you like treating emergency patients? If you like treating emergency patients and it leads into the type of dentistry that you want to do, you like doing endo, you like removing teeth, you like placing implants, you like sort of the hustle bustle, the fast pace of trying to squeeze in another patient and you're always sort of going to be on the move. If you like that and that gives you energy and fulfillment, then I think that's fantastic. But that's got to sort of be stated into your mission statement. If you're like me and you don't like emergencies, you don't like the disruption in your schedule, you don't like having to try to fit patients in and sort of throwing off what you've been doing or how how are you going to get them in. If I don't want to be called after hours a lot, if I don't want to have to deal with things like pain and swelling, maybe that's not the type of practice that I want. But we have to define that. You have to first define that I think as, as who you are right? You're the leader, you're the dentist, you're the dentist leader. And then I believe that you need to involve your team. Now for us, we had to work with a coach. I do think that that's probably the easiest way is bringing somebody in from the outside that can help everyone on the team be able to voice their opinions and make sure that they're on the right team. Because if you have a certain vision for your practice, you have a certain mission statement, what you expect your practice to accomplish, and you have certain core values 
These are undeniable values that you hold deeply that you will not cross, but you have employees or team members who don't share those core values. Maybe they're not a good fit for your practice. I will tell you with hiring and firing, this has been really important for us because we can say it's not about you. You know, you're, you're a lovely person. You're a wonderful person, but the values that we have in our practice and the traits that you're exhibiting, the actions that you're doing don't fit into the values of our practice, what you agreed to when you came in or when we started doing this. So I would tell you, start with why it was, was very influential for us, but there's a lot of other good books out there that can be helpful. Patrick Lencioni has a number of books I think that are really great, and Simon Sinek, as I mentioned. Sometimes starting with a coach can help you get through this. But know who you are, know who your practice is, understand the vision that you have for your practice, the mission that you have for your practice, and the core values. Now, once you've sort of established this, your team has to know these core values and your mission and your vision. What do you stand for as an organization? What defines you makes it much easier for everything that you're going through, conversations that you're going to have with your team members. Having these vision, mission statements, and core values clearly defined is just going to make it much easier for you as a leader and for your leadership team to move forward with difficult decisions. So I cannot emphasize enough. I wish I would have recognized how important it was for us to set these three things when we first started our practice. Now, as an adjunct to that, I'm going to tell you, I believe that weekly team meetings are critical for your operational success because at these weekly team meetings, we review our vision, we review our mission statement, we review our core values. What we do in our team meetings is we ask our team to look around the room at the other team members. And it doesn't matter if you have a team of three or four, if you have a team of 20 or 30, and we're, we're about 10 to 12. And ask team members, which other team member did they see in the previous week that exemplified one of our core values? One of our core values is, is teamwork and working with other team members, being collaborative. And so very often someone will point out how one member really went the extra distance to make sure that this other team member was, was hanging on or, or getting their job done while they pitched in to help them. This team member came and helped them, or they saw this team member help another person. So we have a lot of interaction with our team, which helps build up our team members, but also reinforces on a weekly basis, these are our core values. This is what we stand for, and it's what we looked for. And we continue reminding our team, this is what we're about. So number one, for the things I wish I would have known, I wish I would have known to establish my vision, my mission, and my core values, and then make sure that I had the right team to support that, and then remind all of us, myself included, my partner, our team, this is what we're about. This is what we stand for. That is the first tip. Tip number two. There's an old saying that's, uh, that goes something like, it's not what you know about people, it's, it's how you make them feel. I was very slow to understand this, and I can remember countless, countless of experiences in my practice where I would try to impress people with my knowledge of dentistry. Look how smart I am. You ought to give me your money so I can do your dentistry. Anyone ever been there? We all have, right? Because we want to do the dentistry, and we sort of believe if we can show people how smart we are, how skilled we are, then they'll commit to doing the dentistry. I remember I was greatly influenced by Frank Spear and went out to 
Frank Spear Educational Center when it was in his office in Seattle years and years ago. And Frank showed how he shared with patients slides of their teeth. We were taking slides back then for some of our young, younger listeners. This is a, <laughs> it's sort of like film, a little bit different, put in a slide projector. And uh, yes, I used to have a slide projector or a couple slide projectors, and I would show my patients slides of their teeth. And I completely blew them away. They didn't understand what I was talking about. I was trying to impress them with my knowledge, my ability to take great photographs. I'd show them articulated, mounted casts of their teeth. And most often they wouldn't do the dentistry because I didn't take the time to understand what they were about, what their needs were, where they were coming from. I mean, I could have been talking to somebody about a full mouth reconstruction and either financially or emotionally or time-wise, they just, they didn't have the budget for doing complex dentistry. They weren't ready to do complete dentistry. They just needed a tooth fix for now. And they needed to find a safe harbor to be able to be with a dentist that would understand who they were. So there's another old saying that says, you know, treat people the way you would want to be treated. And I've learned that that's actually not correct. What we use in our office is called the DISC system, D-I-S-C. The DISC system is a sort of a personality, it's a personality profiler, if you will. And with this DISC system, there's four types of personality types. There's D, which is referred to as dominance. It's a style that's kind of bold, but, but skeptical. They could be kind of domineering in their conversations. We all know people like that. And quite honestly, that's kind of how I am. There are people who are influencers, people who just are big personalities and they're great to be around. They're the, they're the life of the party, right? So that's a second personality type. There's a third type called, they refer to as S or steadiness. And this style is they're, they're, they're cautious and accepting. This is the style that most commonly generates our, our dental work team because these are very caring people. So a lot of our team, our dental assistants, our admin team up in front, our hygienist, you're going to see a lot of S's. You're going to see people who are super, super caring. And then you're going to see the C's, the final one of the disc. And these are our conscientious people. They're very cautious and skeptical. I kind of think of these as sort of like my accountants or my engineers. So they want to know the details. They want to know the facts. So when I'm sitting down with a patient, I know my disc style is D. I'm a sort of a DC, meaning I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. I'm going to sort of tell you the information. I'm not going to sugarcoat it a lot. I want to be empathetic, but my style is that I'm just kind of just going to sort of tell you what I'm thinking and what I'm seeing. And I tell patients that. What I'm trying to do when I'm meeting patients is get a feel for what are they like. Because not only do they have a certain way that they behave, but they also have a certain way that they hear the information. So for instance, I'm not a person who likes a lot of details. I don't like to know every step from A to Z. But there are patients who are sort of of the C profile, our accountants, our engineers, you know the type. They want to know every single step along the way. One thing that I had to learn to do was to slow down so that if I recognize or my team recognize that, hey, we got someone sort of a C personality, I have to slow it down and I got to be ready to go step by step, step by step. This is what it's going to look like after step A, step B, step C, step D. Now, if I tried that with my D personality patients, they're going to tune out. They just want to know, all right, well, here's where we're starting. This is what it's going to take to get there. And this is when it should be done. And this is going to be about how much it's going to cost. They don't need the details. They don't want the details. They just want to know, how do we get to the end? 
If I have someone who is an S personality, we're going to have to be more empathetic. We're going to have to be talking about what they should experience. Are they going to be having any discomfort? Is there going to be any issues that they're going to have? And we just have to be even more sensitive because that's what they need in the conversation. So I'm not trying to be a phony. What I'm trying to do is be able to relay the information that I need to give to the patient in the best way for them to hear it. And I think that's where understanding personality types of patients is really, really critical. This is also important for our team members. My team members know that I have this deep personality and they try to give me the information without all the details. I have some team members where they're very strong C's and I have to, I have to sit back and I got to be ready to listen because they're going to go through every little detail because that's how they feel heard. And there are times when I'll have to say, this is not a good time for that. I'm right in the middle of a patient. I don't have time. Let's carve some time out at the end of the day so I can sit and listen because otherwise they're going to feel like they're unheard. So understanding these personality profiles, I think can go a long way to helping you understand your patients and being empathetic because you're listening to them on their level, right? You're connecting to them with how they want to connect. A book that we read uh, a couple of years ago, it was uh, pre-COVID, it's called The Chameleon uh, by Merrick Rosenberg. And it uses this disc style and it relates it to birds, four different bird types. There's eagles, which are the dominant, the parrot, which would be the I or the influencer, the dove, which is the S, the steady, and the owl, which is the conscientious. And it tells stories. It's a fable. But it is actually a nice book to share with your team if you're interested in helping them understand how the disc profiles how there's not one that's right and there's not one that's wrong. It's just that we're, we function differently and how do we connect with people so that they feel heard so that we're acknowledging that it's about them and not about us. So understanding different personality styles, I think that's a really critical way to be able f- for me to get better understanding of how patients are thinking or what they're thinking. The second thing I'd say on this topic is to slow down and listen to what your patients are saying. When I was a younger dentist, I already had sort of a series of questions lined up in my head that I wanted to ask the patient, but it didn't allow the patient necessarily to tell me their story. Now, here's the key. You have to guide them. You can't just let them talk endlessly and off topic and stuff. You have to guide them through the conversation. So when I ask a patient, they're in because they don't like the appearance of their teeth. Well, tell me about that. What, what about the teeth? What don't you like? I don't like the spaces. I don't like the dark spot. Has this been an issue for you socially? Yeah, I don't like smiling in photographs. Is there an event coming up? Yeah, my, my daughter's going to get married next year. Okay, now, now we, have, we have an anchor. The daughter's getting married in a year. All right, but we have to get there, right? And they may not tell you that in the beginning, especially based on their personality styles, right? An S or a C. They may not want to come out and say that, right? So listening to the patient, hearing what they're saying, asking the next question, leading to you understanding what the anchor is, what's truly bringing them in and how we can help them at the best. On the same topic, when working with patients, one of the most valuable things you can learn to say is, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It could be simply, doctor, how long is this restoration going to last? I don't know. I can tell you with other patients, similar patients to you, they will last between this many years and this many years. But everybody's a little different. 
Everyone treats their teeth differently. The foods that they eat, whether they grind their teeth. There are all sorts of different factors. It would be like me asking you, how long will my car last? Well, how are you going to drive it? How are you going to maintain it? So it's not unusual in a conversation I have with a patient, they'll ask me something and say, I don't know. Here's, here's what I'm thinking, right? Now I can get away with that a little bit because I, you know, I've lost some hair, the hair that I have are getting gray. And so I can get away with that a little bit easier than I think when I was younger. But I do think that we have to sit down with patients and when they're asking questions and they want to sort of put us in a position, sometimes we just say, I don't know. Sometimes it might mean, let me refer you to a specialist because I don't know. Doctor, how long can I wait before I have this grafting? I don't know. You know what? I think what we could do is we could get you in with a periodontist, a gum specialist. And let's ask them that question. How long can you go without having to have that graft? It would be like, and I'll tell patients, be like if you were at your internist and there was something going on with your heart and they would say, let's get you over to the cardiologist. Let's get you into the expert. Let's see what they say. So I think as generalists, we owe our patients that opportunity to get better answers if they're available. And if we're a specialist, you know, be able to say, I don't know, how are you going to treat your teeth? If we do veneers on your teeth, how are you going to treat them? I have some patients who treat them like they're fine china. They use them for smiling and talking, and they don't put them in the dishwasher. They don't beat them up. They're very careful with them. So they're going to be very careful with the food they eat. I have others who just treat them like natural teeth, and there's going to be some wear and tear and some chipping and stuff, just like we see with natural teeth. So that would be the number two thing I would say is get to know your patients. That's not what you know. Stop trying to impress them with fancy dental words. Don't say things like papilla. Patients don't care about papilla. It's that gum tissue between your teeth. So you don't see a black spot or you don't see a black triangle. Get to understand what makes them feel, how they feel. One of the things I say to patients commonly when they or talking about the treatment or we're discussing treatment, I'll say, look, all I know is I want to provide this dentistry for you, this type of dentistry I'd like to do, but it's your money. It's your wallet. These are your teeth. Tell me how I can help you get to where you want to get to. So I always try to remember that it's their money. It's their teeth, right? How can we help them get to the level of dentistry that they find appropriate for them? And look, if that level of dentistry is not in your vision, in your mission, it's not part of your core values, then they might not be a good patient for your practice. I think that's why having that vision, mission, and core values all established when you're sitting down with your patient, you can decide, you can determine, are you a good fit? Does this patient fit into the type of dentistry that we want to do? And are we the right dentist for the patient? Maybe we need to refer them to someone who might be able to better meet their needs. Finally, number three, for the things that I know now, that I wish I would have known better then. And this is something I sort of learned a little later, but I wish I would have learned a little bit sooner. For most of our practices, we build our patient base through marketing through other patients. Hey, you know, Mrs. Jones, you liked us. Could you send us another patient? This is, you know, very common with social media, right? We can, we can send reviews to our patients. We can ask that they enjoy their experience. So in today's world, using social media, using our website, using Instagram, using Facebook. I think those are all super great and very important. There are classic old school approaches, neighborhood involvement, civic charities, getting out there in the community. Absolutely. Very, very important. I think today's world, when people are flooded with messages from 
social media and, and other things. And people still like that face-to-face, right? But I will tell you my most loyal new patient referrals, the best referrals for complete dentistry, especially, are patients that are referred for my specialists, for my orthodontists, for my endodontists, for my surgeons, my periodontists, especially. These are patients that are already pre-sold. Because when another practice, another expert, a specialist refers to you for general dentistry or restorative dentistry, in my case, cosmetic dentistry, they already feel like they've been referred to the best because they think that the specialist that they're at is probably the best. But I don't think it matters if you're doing cosmetic dentistry like I am or general dentistry. I do a lot of general dentistry. Let's say you're a general dental practice. Well, you're competing with other general dental practices, right? Especially in the world of DSOs. So how are you going to differentiate yourself from these other large group practices, these DSOs? So I think it's important that you make contact with these specialty practices. Show them that you're different. Show them that your practice is different, how you treat your patients are different, right? Because they cherish these patients and they want these patients to have a great experience. Remember, if the patient trusts the specialist, there's an inherent trust when they come to see you. You got to kind of blow it. And I've done it. You know, I've screwed up. You know, I've, I've had good referrals and we just missed the mark. But I got to tell you, you got to really screw up not to get those people to commit to you when they've referred to you by a specialist. So how do you do it? Well, a couple of things. For me, I used to like to show off the work that we were doing. So we would ask if we can come into a lunch and learn. And I would buy the staff lunch. All staff love free lunch. And I would show them a couple of cases, show them a couple of bonding cases, show them a couple of cosmetic cases. If it was a pediatric office, we'd show them peg lateral cases that we did or a fracture tooth. If it was an orthodontic office, we'd show them some complex cases where they were congenitally missing laterals or maybe they were peg laterals. And we showed when the orthodontics were in a good position, how we can make the teeth look good. The bar set low. You don't have to be an expert by any stretch. And certainly the dentistry I was showing 20 years ago, 25 years ago, nowhere near what I'm able to provide today. I've gotten better, but it gives the team members a chance to meet you. It gives them a chance to say, hey, that's a good dentist. That's a nice doc. I could see our patients being under the care of someone like that. Bring presents, knock on the door of your specialist, bring, you know, everyone loves baked goods. Well, I love baked goods. So bring baked goods to my office, but you can bring veggie trays. You can bring fruit bowls. You can bring anything. And not just once, it's repeated contact because this is what you want. You want the patient to have the dentist say, you know what, you should go see, in this case, Dr. Hartley. He's going to give you the best care. And the doc's going to walk out of the room. The patient's going to look at the chair side assistant and say, what do you think of Dr. Hartley? And they'll be like, eh, or like, oh, he's great. Not very confirming, right? What you want is dentalist says, he's awesome. You're going to love it there. And then you're going to go up to the front desk. Patient goes up, sees the administrative people, sees the, the front desk people and says, hey, I got referred over to Dr. Hartley. What do you think? Oh, he's great. You're going to love him, right? So you're hearing it all the way through. It's critical that the team gets to know you. And I spent a lot of time getting to know the teams that I wanted to work with hanging out at that office, making sure they understood who I was, picking up the phone. Instead of having my team pick up the phone to call a, uh, an office for a referral, I'd pick up the phone. I'd talk to Tammy. Hey, Tammy, it's Dr. Hartley. How are you doing? Good. How's your daughter doing? Great. What are you guys doing this summer? You know, a little small talk, have them know that you're interested in them and say, hey, I got this great patient I want to re- refer over. Can you guys, uh, can you work them into your schedule? 
This goes a long way to help build a practice for the long term. Now, it's not going to be as fast as sending out a bunch of coupons or doing all sorts of different things, social media. But for me, these have been the solid patients that have been able to do some really wonderful dentistry over my career. Well, dental online trainers, that is it. Those are my three tips. Again, there's more, but we got to limit this. So number one, get your vision, your mission statement, and your core values defined and established. Get a coach if you need. There's lots of good coaches out there. If you have any questions about coaches, I can recommend some. Just DM me on Instagram, HartleyDDS, and I'll be happy to give you some, some recommendations. Number two, understand. Stop trying to impress your patients with what you can do and your knowledge. Get to understand them. Understand what they're about, what their needs are, and then help satisfy their needs. Get to know their personality styles. How do you connect with them? That's how you work them through their, their treatment. And finally, for number three, if you're looking to build your practice to get these patients in and you want to get great cases, start working with your specialists. Get to know them. Get to know their team. Let them get to know you and in any way possible. And if you can put a little presentation together, if you can get your teams together, whatever it takes, start building these relationships because they're going to be a great flow of new patients for you that are going to already be influenced to become great patients in your practice. Well, that's it, Dental Online Trainers. I hope you enjoyed this solo bonding sharecast episode. And until next time, yours for better dentistry. I'm Dr. Dennis Hartley. Thanks so much for listening to the Sharecast. If you are not yet a subscriber, please do subscribe to our Sharecast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're loving the Sharecast, share it with your colleagues. And please rate it and leave us a review. Also, if you want access to fantastic clinical, managerial, and leadership tips to help you in your practice of dentistry, check us out at dothandson.com or find me on Instagram at HartleyDDS. This episode was created with special help from Clear O'Neill. It was edited by Ashley Dixon Ellison and with original music by Chris Peterson. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Dennis Hartley, yours for better dentistry.